Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today, we're feeling blessed and highly favored to have powerhouse Selena Caesar Chavan joining us on the pod. Here at The Drip, we like to start our interviews by walking through the contributions that our guests have made to Canada, especially for women, Black people, and those striving for appropriate mental health support. Selena is the Senior Advisor for EDI Initiatives and Adjunct Lecturer at Queen's University on top of her work as the Principal Consultant at Black Gecko Consulting, a company she launched after leaving office. Most recently, Selena was the MP for Whitby from 2015 to 2019 and served as Parliamentary Secretary to the Prime Minister and Parliamentary Secretary for International Development. Before entering public life, she was co-chair of Canada's first National Epidemiology of Neurological Conditions and an award-winning small business owner of a healthcare research firm. As if the bar she set wasn't high enough. Selena is a past member of the Governing Council at U of T and past vice chair of Campus Council at U of T Scarborough. The Canadian Alliance on Mental Illness and Mental Health recognized her with a Champion of Mental Health Parliamentarian Award in 2017. MyPad, or the Most Influential People of African Descent, named her to their top 100 list of leaders under 40 in politics and governance. She was awarded Black Parliamentarian of the Year in 2017, and she was featured in the April 2018 edition of O Magazine, titled, What Would You Stand For? One more? Yeah, yeah, one more for good measure. Yes, one more. Okay, so she was also named Chatelaine Magazine's Woman of the Year in 2019. I mean, what? This proud mother of three stays repping the beautiful island of Grenada and has never been afraid to be exactly who she is. And that authenticity is one of the reasons why we love her and must protect her at all costs. (laughs) (laughs) Selena, welcome. How are you? After that introduction, I feel like I will have nothing to say. That was like so amazing. It's a new done. <laughs> it's like, and thank you very much for staying with us today. And we're done. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was so awesome. Wow. Who are you talking about? Is that me? You. Yes. Man, absolutely. That woman. Woof. Protect her. All That's costs, you. you know. Protect her. Protect that woman. You know. 100%. <laughs> So this book you wrote, Can You Hear Me Now? It's so Mm -hmm. in-depth. And I was, you know, both of us, we were so constantly surprised by your level of self-awareness and capacity for vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Why share the story of abortion? And what did you want folks to learn from your personal decision about what remains a very politically divisive issue? Okay. Right. So, you know, I put all of my, well, a lot of my shames, mistakes, guilts, like things that I've been holding onto for so long um, in this book intentionally, because I wanted 
you know, I don't, I don't really care about the political sort of side of things. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, these issues that women are going through, whether it's abortion or affairs or whatever the, the case may be that they that they're they're challenged with, that they need to heal. Like, you know, mm-hmm. these are very gut wrenching decisions to make. And it it impacts family. It impacts your your ability to maneuver throughout the communities. But it does that because it is internalized and it impacts you. So if we are not, if we continue to hold on to these secrets as if they are secrets, like you're sitting in a waiting room full of people, it's not so much of a secret, is it? Um, but when you hold on to these secrets, when we hold on to these these decisions that we make that we think bring such shame, how are we ever going to destigmatize? How are we ever going to help other people heal? How are we going to normalize conversations if we're not willing to talk about things that perceive perceivably are shameful. And so I decided that I enough. I wanted to write a book that was authentic, that stuck stuck to my brand of being truthful and allowed not just myself to heal, but other people to heal as well. And it definitely did that. There was a point uh, like I howled at the the list that you wrote about what your significant <laughs> other needs to have including, quote, uh, needing to bathe with a washcloth or loofah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's, that's like number one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that there were gems in this book that felt like they were speaking specifically to Black Canadians. Yes. Honestly, I, I felt like you were writing to me and for me. Like we were yes. kind of like you were telling me a story at a dinner table. Did you yes. do that intentionally? And and yes. why do that in what many are perceiving to be a political biography? Well, you know what? I knew that people would buy the book for the political stuff that came out. And I kept saying that, you know, that is in chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13. Like if people didn't understand that this book was more than just a political book, they were, I'm sorry, but but I want their money. So <laughs> <laughs> they're going to buy it just for the last four chapters. Go ahead. But, you know, even in the fact that people bought it for the political stuff, of course, I'm a politician. That's what I'm most known for. Everybody's going to put that book in the political category. I wrote it keeping in mind that I didn't want to have that white gaze. I didn't want to have to filter and translate everything for my sisters to get it. Like if a black, if when the book launched, I kept saying, if black women don't get this book, I'm in big trouble. Like that would have been, we a, got it. We definitely, yeah, that, that would have been for me a, a fail, like a hashtag fail. Cause I kept getting like a lot of people were saying, Oh, this book is so awesome. I see myself in the book and I'm like, yeah, okay, but you're not, I, I need to hear like my sisters tell me they get this book. Wow. <laughs> and so for me, that was, um, I wanted people to see that representation matters and, even in our political selves, we do not have to fit into a category or into a narrative that they've pre-written for us. We could be ourselves in that space, not compete, not have this, this sense that we are in competition with each other. There's more than enough space. We have to be a little bit vulnerable because we're all going through the same issues and even at the the highest level of power, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I am not protected from sexism or racism or discrimination. So here is the whole truth of me. Mm-hmm. And this is why I fight so hard, because I've been through these pains. I've 
been through these hurts. I felt these mistakes. I know what it feels like to be a black woman. And therefore, here is our story. Let's rise from being able to be truthful to each other. Yeah. Adding skillfully to the conversation of history. Mm-hmm. So my name, many people might not know this. I actually have two names that people may not know. My name is Mallory. And then a lot of people know me as Curtis, but my given name is actually Kurt. Oh. And I, okay. I feel like I have kind of different personalities based on those names. I understand, Selena, your name is Rayon. Who yes. still calls you that? Yes. And is Rayon a different person from Selena? And if so, in what ways? Yeah. So um, my parents still call me that. You know, it's interesting because my husband met me as Rayon and now I'm Selena. And he just <laughs> calls me babe. Because- <laughs> <laughs> too many names, too many names. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, whenever he says Selena, I'm like, that sounds weird. And but he's never he never says Rayon, like ever, ever. And then he just he just sticks to babe. But my my parents still call me Rayon. Most people who know me from back in the day still say that. And I try to correct them, but I I'm like, it's okay, you know. And they're always like, Oh my god, so sorry. And I'm like, it's fine. But you know, Selena is the unafraid, uninhibited, unapologetic version of Rayon. Uh-huh. Rayon is like the bud. I, I describe it in the book with the um, Anisian um, quote, where, which says, "You know, the 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 risk it took to blossom is more painful than it no than the risk it took to stay in a bud." I can't remember how it goes, but you know, I use that in the book and talk about the fact that Rayon is the bud that that's closed that tries to protect us. Like she tries oh. to protect us at all costs. And Selena's out there like wilding in the street. She's like, no, let's go, let's, you know, let's, let's be disruptive. But she used all of, of Rayon's pain hurts to say, no, we are no longer going to be silenced. We are no longer going to sit on the sidelines. We're no longer going to be pushed around. We're no longer going to let people make us feel afraid. We're going to do this. We're going to fight for equity because that's some of the things that you didn't feel, Rayon, that you got in your life. And we're going to demand that other people get it. So when I say that my values and principles are anchored by my pain, mm-hmm. my values and principles of Selena are anchored by Rayon. Metamorphosis. I love it. Yes. In your book, um, you talked a lot about, you know, ways or attempts in the federal government to represent diversity while not including diverse people. Uh, the question here is, how do you feel about multiculturalism and what is the way kind of out of that or around that um, representing diversity but not really including diverse people? Well, that's what performative allyship is in a nut in a nutshell, right. right? It's tokenism. It's it's saying that we are going to just appreciate multiculturalism or diversity as our strength. Diversity is not the strength of our country if we don't leverage it as a tool. It is a tool for us to be inclusive. If we have a, a, a bunch of diverse people and nobody talks to each other, how how much strength do you get from each other's experience? Absolutely none. Diversity is ubiquitous. Multiculturalism is ubiquitous. We're a country of 37 million people. The only way that we're going to grow is through immigration. You know, multiculturalism is default. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that we have to like really work hard towards. What we need to work hard towards is the intentional, active 
engagement that we have or connections that we make with people to be inclusive, to listen to the stories, to understand that irrespective of education or work experience, that the the experience that we have as people with multiple intersecting identities, the barriers we go over, the challenges we overcome adds value to us. And if that value is not leveraged in organizations and we're just being used for our skin color, our disability, the, the, our gender or our, our, you know, our religious wear, if that value is not harnessed, then that's just tokenism. Mm -hmm. When that value is harnessed, that's when you actually get an equitable organization. That's when you get a a system that values who you are and therefore is able to say, well, you navigated systems, the same ones that I have with privilege, you navigated them with, with intersecting identities and you had challenges that you've overcome. How did you do that? Can I use some of that secret sauce to add value to now my organization? And that's that's the difference between performative allyship or performative measures and substantive work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear that. I was going to say, safe to say that that didn't happen in the no. liberal party while you were there. No, and it, it was so it was so blatantly, embarrassingly, and hurtfully obvious that it wasn't happening. And but the thing is, you know, in chapter ten of my book, I, I kept telling my publicist, I want to like rip out my editor, sorry, I want to rip out chapter 10. Because even though I knew what was happening, I was only sent. So people, everybody in the world knows how many events the prime minister attended in 2016. He was everywhere internationally all the time. As his parliamentary secretary, what is supposed to happen is it's supposed to be like a tag team. So you tag your parliamentary secretary into the minister. And so therefore, for meetings and events, you could cover more ground. Mm-hmm. You, if, if he's on the left, you're on the right. If he's north, you're south. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're just everywhere covering a lot more ground. For me, though, as his parliamentary secretary, I was only sent on three events, three international events, mm-hmm. and all of them were black focused. Mm-hmm. I was not given any other meeting or leverage for any of my business acumen my I, I like in the introduction I ran a national research or epidemiology study on neurological conditions right. never asked to attend any meetings related to my research acumen my business skills none of that I was just at those international events to sit and be black and be female so so Greg Fergus ruminate on that for a second ruminate on, on him based on what you know about him. And then I'm sure you know about these stories that came out recently. Um, I mean, we're talking about a few years ago, but I believe there was Hadir Roderick in 2018, if not 2017. And there was before that, uh, the story about uh, Wes Hall. So do you know those two stories, first of all? No, no, I don't. So the two, the two examples are of two powerful Black people, one obviously being Wes, a man, uh, Hadia being a woman. Hadia was a powerful lawyer. Um, yes. Oh, okay, yes. Uh-huh. Right, right. So the, the, the fundamental uh, uh, conclusion is Wes, a Black man, was able to make it. Uh, Hadia, right. all her glory, mm. could not blossom. Mm. Was, not, was not allowed to blossom. And yeah, so, she was she was black on Bay Street, right? Yeah, black on Bay yes, Street. That's yes, right. Yes, and yes, so yes. again, going back to Greg Fergus, what what how has he been doing in caucus based on your perspective? And again, relating it to the two names I just mentioned, what what is your perspective on that? So, you know, it, it's not really my perspective. I 
I would say that, and I'm sure Greg will, will validate this, not that I need his validation, but, you know, he says things to me like, I'm the Malcolm to his Martin, mm. right? So that, that, I don't need to, to explain that to anybody who understands no. how, how that, what that means, right? If you gotta, if you gotta, if you don't know, go read something. Go read, if yeah. you don't know, go read it. And, you know, every time he says it, I want to say, do you know how like absolutely offensive that is? Not just to me, but to the two men that you mentioned as well, because they were both radical, like, First of all, everybody needs to read a book when it comes to Martin first um, and, the, and the similarities between those two individuals. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's almost as if the, the script, it's not almost as if, it's as if the script is, you know, you, Selena, keep putting your neck out and being disruptive and doing the things that we know need to be done. And I'll stay here and be the Martin character, who's the peaceful one, who's the one that people could, you know, could it's, it's palatable for, for most white individuals. Mm -hmm. And I will continue to reap the benefits while you continue to stick your neck in the guillotine. Mm. That's, that's problematic. Extremely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's the, the challenge, the challenge is, is like, for me is not, is trying not to gaslight our own community in the process, but, when it comes to protecting black women, I just, I don't know if we, we understand what that means. No, we don't. You know, because I've, I've had issues with, with Greg that I don't put in the book that I don't talk about ever. And I never have talked about them publicly mm-hmm. um, that go beyond that. Um, and, and he knows, like, I, I have, I have right to feel hurt by some of the things that he's done. But we, I think black women protect black men at a cost to ourselves mm-hmm. while black men just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, they look to the side and they're like, oh, you know, sorry about that, sis, but I got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you may got to remember who karma is, right? Because I think she's a black woman. <laughs> <laughs> we have to change that. <laughs> That's a real thing. I mean, as as you're talking, I'm getting goosebumps because, like, yeah. to to the points that Curtis just raised, like, even in the corporate world, that happens all the time. Like, there's yeah. just this guy who, you know, has all all of these these resources and all of this access, and um, you know, maybe there's a woman who is a, a colleague of his and wants to climb the way that he's climbing, but. Uh, needs to do more to get there, whether it's stick her neck out or or whatever she needs to do, and she will stand up for him, and he will not stand up for her. And and that that, that is so you know like the 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 situation with Maxine Bernier in twenty eighteen mm. was for me it was so tell it was telling on a number of different levels, right? Where I'm like, where are y'all? Where are you? To, okay, forget about defending me, right? Because that's where we're here. We're supposed to represent the people that we're here to serve. I am defending our budget. Maxine Bernier says something that attacks our budget, attacks the investment we're making in Black communities that we know need that investment. Mm-hmm. First time in Canadian histories that Black communities are named in the federal budget. And you have someone from across the aisle attack that. Not only do you not protect me, in the in the dialogue you don't even protect your own mm-hmm. you know there's there's no there's no conversation about you know what 
Maxine, take several seats, please, because <laughs> investment, right? There is no conversation about that. And then all of a sudden, this is what trips me up the most. All of a sudden in 2020, everybody all of a sudden decides to be black. Yeah. That's what that, like, if we want to talk about that on script, we could do that for a minute because <laughs> people who didn't realize that they were black before 2020, all of a sudden are like blacker than black. It's real. Absolutely. Blackity black, blackity black. black. <laughs> <laughs> like, Y'all are a damn trip. Look at you naming our segment later on in the show. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. Coming up in the program is blackity black. <laughs> black, blackest. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So did, did you ever feel based on all that we're discussing, did you ever feel that you joined the wrong party? No, I joined the right party. I, you know what? And this is a great question and nobody's asked it before. And uh, like, I'm charged up hearing it. And I, I didn't know you were going to ask this question. It's a perfect, I joined the right party because I think it's time to expose what is truth about this. You know, we have to vote liberal, you know, mantra that we don't hold them to account. Mm. We don't, actually understand the crumbs that they're giving us off the table. Mm. We don't, we just blindly follow. And I, I always say, you know, I don't know why black people are so loyal to this party. When we think about, you know, repealing mandatory minimums, 2015 promise was not done when they had a majority government. Mm -hmm. A few weeks ago, they they table C22, right. which repeals parts of the mandatory minimums, mm -hmm. which and leave the ones that are unconstitutional yeah. and the ones that we know keep black and indigenous people locked up in jail because of that, the racism that exists in our federal, uh, in our punishment system. Mm -hmm. It's not even our justice system it's our punishment system when it comes to us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, again, historic investment in black communities for gender-based violence, $2.5 million, 2.5 for dozens of organizations. In 2018, they gave one organization $3.7 million for one project. So we keep getting these crumbs off the table right. and we're not holding them to account. And so the question is, you know, well, Selena, you were at the table. Why, why did you leave? Because you could have, you could have done something about that. Well, I, I wasn't exactly at the table. Right. You know, I, I was in the room. But I wasn't at the I was I wasn't at the table unless you call being on the menu at the table. Oh wow, come on. 
right? Like if that's the part of the table, I'm not, I'm not interested in being at the table for that reason. Now, the, the interesting thing though, is I had the courage enough to sit at the table in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And now I know the bounty that exists on that table. So when you give us $2.5 million, I'm like, uh, 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 there's a lot more bounty on that table. How about you drop a little more, more zeros on that? I hear that. I hear that. Your description of almost all of your encounters with the prime minister's political staffers was so uncomfortable. Like it was like a visceral uncomfortability that I could feel through through the book. Um, do you think that that you you may have like a general discomfort with like hierarchy or authority, or was it specifically the nature and the leadership of the Liberal Party that that created that discomfort? Um, so let's 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 talk about that. Let's unpack that because <laughs> I worked uh, for ten years with my company mm-hmm. in research and neurological research it is a white male dominated space when you talk about the Mm -hmm. the brain research world Mm -hmm. i did that very successfully for 10 years right Right, right. then i enter into this party where you know my first conversation with the prime minister is that i don't want to be tokenized and no i don't trust his judgment Mm -hmm. which perhaps some people might not feel like a black woman is supposed to tell them those things, right? I cannot operate being cautious of the blind spot that privilege affords certain people. <laughs> I can't operate that way. This is amazing. <laughs> but but it, it's 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 not up to me to navigate through your blind spots to make you comfortable in your situation of un unearned power mm-hmm. that's not my pro- that's not my job it's not my job to make you feel that comfort it's my job to hold you to account right mm-hmm. and it's my job to represent my community and so do i have a problem with authority i have a problem when there is a lack of a capacity to lead watch mm-hmm. out come on who who I'm just letting it soak, you know? Wow. (laughs) Wow. I I think I think the, 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 the most beautiful part of what you just said is that so many black people do this every day. Right? Mm. You you get into a position where you know you you have to manage um your bosses or your colleagues' unearned power and privilege. Mm. And you, you're constantly tiptoeing around that. So mm. the fact that you have just unequivocally declared that that's not your shit to deal with, I'm no. not sure if you know how powerful that is. You know? No. Yeah. It's it's not it's not it's not mine though. And and the the the, the thing is is that if we do not want to continue to accept this behavior, if we don't continue want to continue to tiptoe around managing and. Look, I didn't say that the prime minister lives in exists in a blind spot that is privilege afforded him. He said that. Those are his words. Mm. It is not my responsibility to to now navigate that. And if we continue to navigate that, Curtis and patience. If we continue to do this without challenging, how is it supposed to change? Absolutely. You're right. How is that ever going to change where we just say, "Uh, yeah, not today. I'm good." Mm. And so, so 
what I've what I've done and what I do, I, there's there's an intentionality around the decisions that I make. The decisions to the conversation I had with the prime minister would have been completely silenced. I, I didn't have to say anything mm. until he said something publicly. And I was just like, no, 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 no. I'm going to set the record straight on this. So there are certain things that I was very intentional about making sure that I set the record straight about the party that claims it is supposed to be open, inclusive and honest and whatever the party of the people. Mm-hmm. Now, look, this is not an indictment of the whole liberal party. So all of your listeners out there that are like bonafide liberals, look, I, I ain't trying to tell you to, you know, go and vote somewhere else or do anything like that. I'm just trying to show you a side right. that allows you to make an informed decision about who you are voting for. This is about the individual behavior. This is not about the policies itself. Exactly. Right. And I don't think that I think that's really important Mm -hmm. because when it comes to the policies, maybe those policies are best for our community. But the person leading those policies is not the best to capture those because they don't have, again, the capacity to lead with authority and therefore do 100 percent what is right for us. Why? I I want to kind of touch on that because you say he doesn't he doesn't have authority. To lead. No. Why, why do you say that? Because if he had authority to lead, he wouldn't say things like there wouldn't be. The, first of all, mandatory minimums wouldn't be would be repealed already. Mm. But the fact that it wasn't politically expedient, it didn't poll well. We would look soft on crime to the conservatives if we repealed mandatory minimums. You have to have some real lack of. Mm, what's the word? They're round. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, you, you know, to 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 know that there is a policy that you promised to repeal, you can do that with a majority government. You know that it disproportionately, negatively, not impacts not only impacts Black and Indigenous people, but their families, their communities, and yet choose make the choice to. Stick within your privilege mm-hmm. from an egocentric perspective instead of doing what is right for the people. Man, that is not leadership. Oh. That's foolishness. I hear that, man. That is bare foolishness. That is not what we need. And our community needs to understand that those are the kind of political games that are played with our lives. Mm. What, what happened in that phone call wasn't just an example of, of a prime minister talking to Selena. That was an example of a, of a white authority talking to black communities. Right. That is what that example, that was a microcosm of what happens on a macro scale in these spaces Correct. where it's like, hey, you black girl, you wait your turn. You cannot say anything right now until I'm ready to give it to you. Hmm. No. We, why do we continue to accept this this behavior? Enough. It's enough. I hear, no, that's completely 100% accurate and right. Selena, do you think or do you know whether things were this bad for our first ever Black female MP, Jean Augustine? Uh, do you feel that, that things have gotten worse for Black women in power recently? I, I don't know, and I, I don't like to to speak to other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. 
I just know that based on my own experience. So I, for the first two years of being in politics, to be honest, you heard very little about Selena. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to fit in. I was trying to do what I needed to do to get a, to 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 fit, to try to, you know, push along an agenda to 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 speak to things that I knew were important and going to be impactful. Keep your head down and work hard. Right. So I, I don't know if it was me or and or the leadership. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So speaking to in that context of of the, the relationship with the prime minister, the PMO, um, other individuals within that that circle, mm-hmm. you know, th- it was a real challenge to say, look, we need to get some things done. Could you imagine being excluded in 2016? So first of all, to- tokenized all of 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got that, park that. And then you're making your first ever investment in a in Black communities in the history of this country. And you don't invite your only Black female member of parliament, the only one out of 338 members mm-hmm. to any meetings for an entire year. That's the part I really don't understand. For a year? Wild. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what uh, Jean Augustine's relationship was with, with her prime minister, but I know, and this is where I say there is a lack of leadership mm-hmm. because this was a government that said, add women change politics. Diversity is our strength. You have a diverse woman. <laughs> Like, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like just it's 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 crazy. So the whole 2017, I'm excluded. For what? For what reason? Because I'm pushing for that repeal of mandatory measures. I'm pushing for when we legalize marijuana to expunge criminal records because the over-surveillance of our communities was a violation of our human rights in the first place. Because I'm I'm pushing our government to like talk about equity, to talk about to instead of doing a gen, a gender based analysis on our our budgets and on our policies, to do an equity based analysis. Because I'm pushing for these things that are right, you right. just exclude completely. Because I'm the I'm the Malcolm to your Martin. And lo and behold, they end up doing those things anyway. Right. Well, to a you know, degree. I was two years or too early. I, I hear. <laughs> Uh, your your conversation with the black elder near the end of the book it was very powerful mm. Mm. what did you learn about black communities and yourself from that conversation <laughs> <laughs> Woo! sorry come now come I thought now. I had my mic on mute when I did that sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't there's some things that I can't, like, I don't go back to in my head mm. because they're so painful. And because I know, like, I actually go into these meetings with very good intention. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, yes, she's going to tell me, you know, this and that. And, you know, she's going to, like, hype me up for the next election. And she's, she starts rattling off, like, all these things that I did wrong or that, you know, strikes against me. Not that, not that I did wrong. It was just strikes against me. Things that, you know, as a Black woman, you should just kind of be quiet and go along to get along is basically what she said. And I was just like, you know, at that point you just want to say, you know what? Forget it. Yeah. Just, just bun them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like forget, forget the community because you know, like you, you're, I'm getting it from, 
my white colleagues. I'm getting it from the left. I'm getting it from the right. So I'm getting it from conservatives. I'm getting it from liberals. I'm getting it from white people. I'm getting it from my own now. What's the point? My, my, what's the point? You know, I, I should just like leave, go back to my private life, do what I was doing, which was quite successful, mm-hmm. and just say, forget all you. I tell you. <laughs> See it there. Yeah, man, I, t- I tired of all you. <laughs> and just, just walk away. But then you start to think, is this an actual representation of our community? Right? And that's why in the book I said, I'm sorry, what were you minister of again? Right? Like, just... <laughs> because sometimes you need to give licks but you can't let people know you're giving them licks because they're an elder right so you have to do it in a way (laughs) because I needed to make her understand that I'm insignificant I can't even remember what you did seriously right so it's a challenge and I think it might be a generational challenge that I need to wrap my head around because I think even when I talk to my mother, she's always, you know, oh gosh, girl, why can't you just, you know, calm down and <laughs> stop cussing? And <laughs> I'm like, mom, you got to understand this is, this is who I am. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, and the thing is like our parents came to Canada as immigrants and I'm sure they were disruptors back home. I'm sure there were people back home that were saying, why you got to go to Canada? The place cool. And you know, please, you're nice and warm. We got mango and tea. And you know, why are you coming to Canada? And so they came here to make a better life for them, for their family and their children. Now I'm here, right? I need to make a, I make, I need to make this place better for my family and my children, right. but I need to do disruption my way. And so there's a generational sort of shift in how how do we do that? Do we continue to go along to get along generation after generation, knowing that it's not yielding results, mm. or do we do something different? And I'm I'm good with doing something different. I'll put my hand up for that. <laughs> I you know I here's another random question, but I I think of what's happening or what has happened with um, Justice McLeod. Hmm. Child. And and the cohort that put him there, oh, put him in this predicament, being Desmond Cole Al. So, mm. um, talking about you know this elder, mm-hmm. and talking about the the I'll say the docile nature of a lot of our elders and how they interacted with systems of power. Mm-hmm. I think there's a disconnect in our community on how we should proceed. Oh God. Well, you want me to save the world today? And, and you know what? It's not for you to save. It's, it's really not for you. Right. To, this you know, this, this, this is a loaded question. It's so loaded. You know, and I think what we need to do is have more of us pushing back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when the prime minister, for example, came, did blackface, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Admittedly, I sent a note to PMO because I knew so I could separate my ego and my hurt from what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Right. So I knew black people would be hurt by that. So I said, sent a note to the prime minister's office saying, um, this is what you need to do. You can't just apologize for this. You must like like a child say, what did you do? What did you learn? And what are you going to do? Right. right? So you're apologizing, John, little Johnny. What did you learn? <laughs> Tell me what you learned. Okay. Now, now, little Johnny, 
how are you going to make this better? Right? This is what we do with our children. So I said, you have to do those things. I said, you need to, you're in Manitoba. You need to tell Canadians how minstrel shows were rampant in the prairies. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. This is not a time, you know, an, an, an educational moment for all of us. This is an educational moment for y'all, right? right? So you as a leader who's done this needs to talk about that and then say what you are going to do to redress the situation as the prime minister of a G7 country, right? right? Mm -hmm. So he goes out there and he just apologizes. He says nothing about what he's learned. He has nothing about what redress is going to be available. And then you have leaders in our community that say, I unreservedly accept his apology. Based on what? And on behalf of who, really? Based, yeah. based on what criteria do you unreserve? Accept what? What? That? What? What? Uh, I confused, boy. I can't see it. I can't see it. I was so confused. I was like, based on what? What? Where's the unreserved? Mm-mm. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. And but this is what causes further divide. So instead of it being a look, this is not something we need to accept your apology on. What we need you to do is these things. Like you need to tell us how you're going to redress it. Right. He gathers a bunch of people in a room, and this I know, and I'm not going to name who, but he gathers a bunch of people in a room and pacifies the situation, puts Greg out in the front to be the literal blackface. And then, like, skates away from this whole situation. There has been no redress. There has been no accountability. And this is the problem with lack of leadership. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that. Um, But this is the problem. Well, Selena, thank you for gracing us with your awesome presence. Um, I just want to say, just picking up on on one of the the last questions that um, that you answered in terms of, uh, you know, it's a generational thing. I, I mm-hmm. sincerely, sincerely believe, genuinely believe that you, just as you stood on the shoulders of, you know, the first black MPs that that, that mm-hmm. came into our that, that 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 you know stood for us and represented us, that you have now given us the opportunity, you know, as the the second or as the whatever the fourth and the fifth to really tear down the systems that that really truly oppress us. Mm-hmm. May you continue to be a force for of change for good. May you continue to be terrible to fake woke people, and <laughs> please continue to be unapologetic as always. Because of length, we thought we'd separate Selena's interview from the rest of the discussion. For her thoughts on Canadian news and black issues, press play on episode fifty. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.